Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment Podcast. Podcast. Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia-focused, meaning that we are going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law, but occasionally we will get into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening. And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right, now to the studio. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. And we are going to talk about something today that is makes Tane's head explode, but it'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, we do that on a regular basis around here. Remember, if you need to contact us, you can do that by sending us an email to goodjudgepod at gmail.com, or you can check out our website, goodjudgepod.com. So... We want to hear what you want to know about. And one of the things that our colleagues asked us to talk about was office management, note management. How do you keep up with stuff? And I'm going to, this episode's going to deal with exactly that. Now, Tane and I are alike, and we agree on lots of stuff. You agree? Uh, Yes, we do. There are times that we differ significantly. You agree? That is very true. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how we manage our respective offices, specifically how we keep up with our hearing notes and sort of do some other things. And we've not really planned out much of a script here, so hopefully we will we'll, we'll stay on point and talk about what you want to hear about. But we are both similar and quite different in how we do these things. So when I conduct hearings, and I try, let's talk about notes first, Tane, okay? Sure. I'll go first, and I might be here a minute. Yeah. When I conduct hearings, I take notes. Me too. In trials, I take notes. Me too. If we have a pre-trial hearing, like a Jackson Dental hearing, I take notes. Yes. In fact, you and I do agree on this. I think it's really important. And I was a terrible note taker when I became a judge, and I think I have become a decent note taker now. So when that case comes back to a trial from the Jackson Dental hearing, this, this imaginary Jackson Dental hearing, how do you recover your notes so that you can go to trial? Rhetorical question. I'm going to get you to tell everybody about yours in a minute. But getting them back in front of you is going to be an important part of of what you do and why you're keeping those notes. So I have become essentially paperless. This is a relatively recent development, but when e-filing started, and some of the clerks began resisting filing certain things for us. And I realized there aren't enough file cabinets made to keep up with all of the junk that I had to keep up. And for me to have some sort of filing system where I could file them if I filed them by the day or whatever, I finally realized, you know what, I'm going to take a, a rainy Saturday and I'm going to look up note taking apps. And so I looked at a, a, what I did was I, I have an, you should get a hobby. I know, right? I have an iPad, and before we, everybody goes, wait a minute, that's an Apple product. You can do the same thing with a Microsoft Surface and one of the pencils that they have. You could use a different note-taking app than the one that I'm going to talk about. It's just the one I use. So don't think we're getting endorsement dollars. Trust me when I tell you we're not Not, getting endorsement dollars. We're just glad that some of you love us enough not to make us pay for all of our hotel rooms every time. Yeah, thank you Back in the day, I used a yellow pad and I took notes with ink. I cannot type quickly enough to pay attention to the trial and still type at the same time and make any lucid notes at all. So typing was never an option for me. So I 
made notes on the yellow pad. When I got back to court, to my office, I would hand them to my secretary at that time was Cheryl. Yeah. I think I told everybody my secretary of 26 years has retired. And so I have a new assistant now, uh, Lindsay. And so she would, before the hearing, I would run off some of the pleadings and then I would take my yellow pad and then I would try to, I'd make a circle over here and a dot over there and an asterisk over here. And I would try to get my secretary to, to, somehow blend all those things together. So we were, and you're going to hear me say this, I've said it in other podcasts, it makes no sense to make something electronic into something paper to make it electronic again. That's kind of stupid. So, and rather than do that, I figured out I finally needed a note-taking app. So after I saw Cheryl spending literally hours in front of a copier trying to get yellow pieces of paper that had raggedy edges because I tore them off funny. I miss Cheryl. I know, right? Well, you're going to like Lindsay a lot. Yeah. But anyway, I watched her for hours going through that process. I finally said, you know what? That's a wasteful. So I did spend that rainy Saturday, and I found an, an Apple. Uh, the, the Apple worked better for me than the Surface. I borrowed somebody's Surface for a weekend and played with it. The, the Apple Pencil worked better for me than the Microsoft version. Doesn't make it wrong, just worked better for me. But then I found an app called Notability. Again, there are a zillion options. But it, with Notability, basically what I did was I, I have a hearing sheet that I have created, a form, let's call it. I can drag that form over to my iPad and then I can fill in the name of Smith versus Jones and the case number and the county and the date. And I've got little check marks and all that stuff. At the end of that form, I have what to do with this now. So the judge heard the evidence. The case was dismissed. Give this to the staff attorney. Reset it for a hearing. Wait for this to happen. Whatever I needed to do. I've, I, and then, of course, I've got another because it would be something I didn't anticipate. But now, Lindsay now can look at that sheet and say, oh, I need to reset this for a hearing. Oh, I need to give this to the staff attorney, whatever. So now I go into court with my notes. I make my notes. And then as soon as I close that note, it is automatically being updated to Dropbox. No human has to touch that. Nobody stands at a scanner. The next time that case comes back, I just opened that note and put a new hearing sheet in front of it. So now all of my notes are in a single file. Whether you're doing this with paper or whether you're doing this paperless, there is one key. And if you don't hear anything else about this, if you're trying to reshape your management of your office, hear this. It is vitally important that you decide in what manner you're going to name your files and you always use that, even if you wish you didn't later on. You just keep on using it because they'll alphabetize correctly. The key to this is being able to find your notes. And if you can't find your notes, the whole operation is useless. You agree? That's, that's right. I'll so, give you an anecdote about that in a minute. So long story short, I, I do my notes electronically. I, I, can, I, can, I can take a photograph of an exhibit and it's locked into that file. I could even record if I needed to. I don't try. I try not to do that because I'm not trying to somehow undermine my court reporter. But all of that is in one note. It stays in Dropbox. The next time the case comes up, I put a new hearing sheet in front of it. No human has to be involved in that process. The key, though, and the way we do it, and Tane, you might do it differently. Plaintiff's first. Plaintiff's last name dash. 
explain his first name, V or Dash or however you want to, whichever way you, I, I think we do a V. Defendant's last name, Dash, defendant's first initial, Dash, case number, Dash, document, whatever it is. That way the thing will alphabetize correctly. And if I ever needed to find those notes, names are right there. If I needed to find the case number, it's right there. If I needed to find all notes on motions for summary judgment, it's there. My point being, I can now find it relatively easily that way. If you make an error in that, fix it. Try not to repeat it because otherwise the whole kit and caboodle is going to be thwarted because you're going to have to go through everything to find the last Smith notes. Now, what do you do? Now, I, I know you don't do paperless, but what do you do? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm stuck in uh, you know a step behind you. Um, but here's the thing: uh, as I said, when I first started on the bench, first of all, I was a terrible note taker, and so I realized very quickly that in order to make sense of all of the information that was coming to me, it needed to be documented. It needed to be written down. It's really important to take good notes. And I asked one of my colleagues the other day how how he takes notes. And he said, Oh, I don't really take notes. You know, some matters I do, but most of them, and I thought I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have notes for everything. So I take notes at every hearing. I take notes at every, everything. The only thing, quite frankly, that I don't take notes on and keep is guilty pleas. Mm -hmm. Um, I, that, that is the only thing I don't write down notes mainly because everything is papered to death in those cases. And I don't feel like there's anything that I need to keep for a future reference. At I that agree. Point. So I began taking notes. I also developed some ways of taking notes that are shorthand to me. And that's just fine. As long as you're consistent with that so that your staff attorney or assistant or whoever understands what you're doing. Um, for example, if I draw a box around something that means it's my note that I'm writing to remind myself of something, either a way I'm going to rule or some observation that I've made or something like that. You'll develop all of those kinds of things. I take those notes. At the top of every handwritten page of notes, I write the name of the case, uh, the date, and what the subject matter or matters are of the hearing that we're having. So I go through and take all the notes and I write down, you know, the witnesses I heard and all the things that I think are important that they said. Then when we finish that day, and I may have 10 cases worth of notes at the end of a given day, I take those and give them to my assistant. And at the end of the day, she scans them into a scanner um, and uh, arranges them really care closely to the way that Wade said he does them. We do it by case name and then case number and then date. And then also in the heading, it says what the particular matter was that we were hearing that day so that when we put them into our folder system, they line up alphabetically and all the case notes from the same case fall together. We, you and I talked about this yesterday, but let's clarify. When I do my notes, they end up in a single file for that case. Right. When you do your notes, you have different documents that are all a part of that same case. That's right. So essentially, the only differentiation I have for my system, and this is really just for to make it easier for my assistant, is we we separate the the criminal cases from the from the civil cases, but that's it. And so. What we're relying on to keep the case notes together is that we put the names of the cases in exactly the same every time so that they will all fall in alphabetical order together. Just like on the appellate cases, we don't break them out criminal and civil, but the first plaintiff's last name is state. 
Yes, right. So they're all so they're practically divided <laughs> within exactly. the the overall. Yeah, and analysis. you can do it that way. And so then the reason that I that I, and then the reason that I started doing that was in two years of being on the bench, I had filled up like four file cabinets of notes and. I couldn't find them anyway. I mean, there was no good way to file them in a way that I could find them later on. So I realized quickly that that was not going to be the system. I also figured out really quickly that I was going to be really clever, I thought, and I was going to put all uh, orders on motions for uh, new trial together and all these things. That's stupid. That is of no use to you whatsoever. You need the notes from every case to stay together. So don't try to get cutesy and classify them according to what they are. Just put the case notes together. When you get ready to have another hearing in that case, mm-hmm. does I happen to know Natalie? Mm-hmm. Does Natalie print off the old notes? No. What do you do? No, I can go into our system on the bench because I have a computer that sits on the bench. I can get into that document myself very easily on the bench and look up all my case notes from previous cases. So I'm trying to avoid ever making that paper again. again. Yeah, and and in fact, what we t- do is once those are scanned, we shred my notes and they're gone forever. Now, Tane, I can be forgetful. I don't know about you, but occasionally, yeah, occasionally, yeah. I mean, you start. Sometimes I ask people, "Hey, do me a favor, come to court and watch the number of decisions I am asked to make." From judge, can I approach judge? Can you sign this probation <laughs> officer for this Objection. other judge? Judge, can you do this? Judge, can you do that? Judge, we need to do that. What about Thursday, judge? How about Friday? Oh my God! You know, at some point you just go, I can't. And, and then at some somewhere out of that, you got to remember. You know, you need you need to remember to uh, rule in that case. Right. The third one that you heard. Or I got a haircut appointment after work. <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's, laughs> Thank God for reminders on my phone. I never yeah. remember those things. Shout out to Carrie Jean Tucker who, <laughs> who says, yeah, I know you didn't show up again. When can you do it? Um, there's a very real chance I'm going to need to remember to do something. And so I try to on my hearing sheets, as I said earlier, put my check my box of what I'm going to do when we're done. But at the end of the day, frankly, that's not sufficient because those are going in Dropbox and they're sort of massive and I can't find them. So I have absolutely outlawed sticky notes for any use in my office. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there's this, they get separated from the paper and now which order am I supposed to, you know, revise on the third paragraph? It's just uh, no. So I decided because I am Captain Paperless now, having boldly gone where I have have paperless envy. (laughs) I now use Evernote. Now, Evernote, once again, we don't get, I promise you, we get no endorsement money from any particular app provider. And there are some people that have criticized Evernote. The thing that I like about Evernote. Man, I'm enjoying a delicious Diet Coke right now. Yeah, yeah, not. (laughs) Um, But but feel free if you want to help the Good Judgment Podcast. (laughs) Stop that. On Evernote, the only reason I used Evernote is because it's pretty seamless over Apple devices, Android devices, Windows machines, all of the different primary operating systems. It can work pretty well. And I can give my staff access and they can add things to my to-do list. What do you do to keep up with when you have to do something after a hearing? Yeah, and mine's a lot more rudimentary than what you're doing, and I'll be the first to admit yours is a better system. Um, I frequently, when we finish a hearing, if someone else is not preparing the order, and, and if they are, there are two ways I keep up with that. One, I write it at the bottom of my notes, uh, plaintiff's lawyer to prepare order, um, and 
when we recast a calendar at the beginning of each day for civil calendars, for example, um, beside each case, I will write who's responsible for the order, whether it's us, plaintiff, defendant, whoever it might be. Um, Hang on. What do you do with that calendar? You go back to your office and where does it go? And I hand it to my assistant who knows that she either needs to you know, check with the lawyer if it's a lawyer or um, hand it to my staff attorney to go through the ones that he's going to be in charge of at least taking the first stab at the first draft of. So you in do addition, keep up with who's going to do the order and yes. are they in or not? Yeah, yeah. And then I also, if it is us who is in charge of taking, uh, of, of drafting the order, generally I will take my notes from that hearing and physically hand them to my staff attorney to put with his notes so that, um, he knows that's an outstanding order that he's in charge of drafting. If he has my notes and his notes and whatever else came from that hearing, you know, he puts it wherever he puts it so that he knows that that's an order he has to draft. One thing I will say about, about my notes that I take, my staff attorney does the same. He takes notes and he scans them into the system and his notes actually go in the system with my notes. And it just says Ryan's notes and Tain's notes. To be fair, I don't have a staff attorney who works only for right. me. I, I share one between myself and Judge Danny Craig. You have a staff attorney who works just for you. That's right. Is he always in court? It, no, it depends on the nature of the hearing. depends on the kind of thing that, that, we're, that we're hearing. If he's in hearing and if he took a note. So basically, to be fair, to, and I'm not trying to you know, say anything, you keep up with your to-dos by piles on your desk. It's basically, yeah. I mean, you've you've seen my desk before, though. I hate paper on my desk. So that's actually, for me, a good system because if it's on my desk, it's not going to stay there long because I, I just It just gives like you it. the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I just don't like having piles of stuff on my desk. Just like my inbox, if it has paper in it, it's going to move. So that's just me. Now, Tane, we have talked a little bit about calendars. When I was in the, law, in the practice of law, it wasn't the dark ages, but to some of the kids now, it appears to be, it has been the dark ages. To my son, who's now practicing law, it was a dark ages. Right. Our malpractice carrier had a rule that you had to keep your calendars, along with all of your relevant statute of limitations, on both electronic and paper. And so if something happened to the electronic, you had the paper backup and vice versa. I'm sure that on the cloud, wherever that is, that there is a backup system that just works awesome. But in my world, we still have a paper calendar that mir that mirrors the electronic. And and my assistant Lindsay, I told her the other day we might be the last people at Office Max looking for the big paper spiral <laughs> calendars, uh, the you know year at a glance right. or whatever. But it, it works out. Um, do y'all have a paper calendar? We do. What I what I do essentially once a month is print out the electronic calendar that basically contains, you know, this is our criminal week with arraignments and you know motions and all that and and anything else that might go on it. I print that out and I handwrite onto it other things that I want to put there either as reminders to myself or the staff or whatever, because our system, the odd system that we have, is a system where. It's either on the calendar that's viewable to everybody in the world <laughs> or it's on a separate calendar. You have to put it on a separate calendar. That nobody I can't, has access. Right. I can't hide items on the generally available calendar and have it all on one. So, like your haircut you gave. Exactly. My haircut appointment. I can't, I can't have that on the general calendar and hide it from view. So we have to essentially keep two calendars, stuff that has Tane's personal stuff like podcasting and – 
uh, you know, the stuff that says when our calendars are. Well, luckily, we're doing this on a snowy Saturday in Athens, <laughs> so um, it didn't really conflict with anything else we yeah, had scheduled. Great. Motion for new trial. We've been talking a lot about motions for new trial, keeping up with that spreadsheet. And, and did you have your, I guess, 120-day initial conference and then the 180-day subsequent conferences? Do you keep that on a spreadsheet? Yeah, we do. Okay. My, my staff attorney keeps a constant running spreadsheet of um, any motions for new trial that are filed and where we are in the process. Um, are there and, other... and let me say one other mm-hmm. thing about that. I never leave a hearing on a motion for new trial without scheduling the next date. Mm-hmm. We we walk out. Everybody walks out of there with the next date we're all going to be. Are you? Are they walking out with a notice, or are they walking out with just knowledge of the date? Both. They're 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 generally. Walking How are you out. filling it out? We're doing a handwritten nice like four copies. Are you just putting in a copier? We're putting it in a copier. Okay. Yeah. Um. Tell me, do you have any other? things that you would consider a trick of your trade that you keep up with on a regular basis. We tried to, to do the whole people dropping off orders and who has them and where did they go. My, Cheryl had that spreadsheet. She called a track it spreadsheet. We had that forever. And it was really good because you would, could, in a flash, when somebody goes, we dropped off an, all, an order a week ago. She knew exactly where it was because every time it moved, it was literally tracked. That just became unwieldy given the number of orders. Do you have anything like that? No, and and I'll tell you why it relates back to what I said a minute ago. My assistant has kind of the same uh, touch of OCD that I have where if there's a piece of paper that's sitting on her desk for more than, you know, a few minutes, she's going to do something with it. And so – it, it just moves. And so I guess because we never had to develop something, we haven't had issues with something. We never developed a system for trying to track that stuff. We just hand the paper back and forth to each other. <laughs> but as long as the paper's in existence, that was the trigger to do something. Exactly. Okay. If it's if it's not in its ultimate spot, which is ultimately being filed with the clerk's office, then somebody's responsible for moving it. So one last thing I want But that has to do with everybody knowing what their job is. And in your office, well-defined job duties need to be really clearly delineated. There's no doubt. I mean, I have team meetings all the time, usually when I'm buying everybody a a taco salad or something. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? What happened with this? How how can I help you with that? And next thing you know, we've talked about everything. All right, folks, I want to talk about one other area, and this isn't really law office, I mean, uh, judge office management. It's really more common sense. This past year, the AOC, Administrative Officer of the Courts, was the victim of ransomware. And there were a lot of agencies who had their different uh, assets on their computer program. And the ransomware was relatively sophisticated, such that the they were able to worm their way into backups, and it, it was it was a mess to say the least. And in the modern world, there are a lot of people who might be interested in just seeing if they can hack your system, whatever your system is. If it's Dropbox or a commercially available system, there's a lots and lots of reasons to do that. So. 
after the AOC, the AOC was attacked, uh, several of us who are on some of these subcommittees dealing with different things, be, dealing with AOC and others, we find our, found ourselves talking, I think, uh, over, over one of our conferences. And the thing that we started talking about is how to back up your stuff. You know, when, when you have a county IT doing some stuff and you've got some personal stuff and you've got some pictures and you've got different things, yet yeah, the Apple, iCloud, the Dropbox, all that thing is fine, but how, how do you do it? And so talking to David Emerson, we literally had this conversation and it, this sounds like the most Fred Flintstone move you've ever heard in your whole life, but Fred Flintstone with a computer. <laughs> um, literally I have a one terabyte hard drive that every so often, and I'll tell you it's about monthly, but it's not, I mean, sometimes it's three months. I go stick it in my computer and I say, copy everything from Dropbox through operating system, through all my apps, through all my stuff. When it's done, because it's on the latest, greatest fly through the air, super fast thing. I mean, it takes five minutes when it's done. I delete the old one cause I don't need the old one. Now that I have the new one, I'm, I verify it's there. And then I unplug the terabyte thing and put it back in the safe. And at least if something were to happen, a lifetime's worth of work and photographs, et cetera, is not lost. Do you do anything like that? You talking to me? <laughs> oh, wow. What's a terabyte, Wade? Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, hey, do your IT guys have to be involved in that way? No. See, wow. that's that's the thing is I that's didn't awesome. want to have to have a system where IT had to be called and I had Did to have Did you turn it off and then turn it back on? Did you start turning it off and turn it back on? Yeah, that's usually where they start with you, isn't it? <laughs> um, but just to to our friends who are listening to us and they and they're wondering how to get better at this. It's not rocket science. Lord knows we are not the tech gurus on on anything, but especially me. Literally consider getting a hard drive and backing up your stuff just so that you have it at least from that date because you just don't know what's going to be. And I know that somebody could have hacked into your system and then they could implant the virus in your terabyte hard drive and all of that stuff. Long story short, it's better than what you have right now, which is a hope, a, a finger cross. And that is just my suggestion. So we're going to end our episode on office management. And if you have any questions or if you want us to go deeper on some of this or if you want to see copies of forms, whatever you ever need that we talk about, if you'll let us know at goodjudgepod at, at gmail.com or goodjudgepod.com, It'll has a hook to the email. Right. We'll be happy to respond. This is Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell on my way to office, Max. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, folks. Thank you, folks, for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. 
This podcast was originally the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, the executive director of ICJE. Special thanks to the University of Georgia College of Law and specifically Jim Henneberger uh, for their technical assistance and providing the studio for us. Thanks as always to Stephen Turner and Turner Up Media, who does his best to get as much of our stupidity as he can. But he can't get it all. We are eternally grateful to CSCJ, the Council of Superior Court Judges, for allowing us to handle NJO and their support in this project. Folks, these are our own opinions. They represent the opinions of Wade Padgett and Tane Kale and do not reflect the opinions of the Council of Superior Court Judges, UGA College of Law, ICJE, or really anybody else for that matter. You can contact us at our website at goodjudgepod.com or you can contact us on email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Folks, please rate and review our podcast on whatever listening app you may be using. It'll go a long way to help others find the podcast. So, Tane, I guess we better bang the gavel on this one. Anything else you feel like we need to say? No, that's all, Wade. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Mint Podcast.